With a bad foot pumped up Because statistics are the best The bad foot pumped up Because you don't need footwear to bet Welcome back to the Barefoot Puncher. I'm your host as always, the mug, your co-host, the logical one. The Pope is with us as well. And of course, we take inspiration from the Barefoot Investor. But instead of giving you investment advice, we're here to give you a bit of betting advice on the 2021 AFL and NRL season. And it's a big welcome back to the program, to the logical one. Thank you, Mug. Uh, We've really got ourselves to the pointy end of the season. Both codes finally, uh, and then we're going to get ourselves a week off after this week, which is interesting. I thought the AFL might uh, might bring that one forward, but um, that's, a, that's a discussion for another day. Very interesting in the preliminary finals, we've got the two teams or the two matchups that played in the last round of the AFL season, so we've got good form line there. We'll discuss that in more depth later on. Um, but... Uh, I think the Pope's got some cracking bad beats for us uh, this this week. He certainly has. And uh, we better bring him in right now. Welcome to the program, to the Pope. Thanks very much, Mug. Still three days later going over the 45 different ways that last play could have finished without it being a try at the other end of the field. But um, better get over that soon. Look forward to this week. (laughs) Well, we can back over that in uh, the official part of Bad Beats in a second. But, Pope, how are you feeling? It's the end of the uh, regular season for NRL and the finals are about to start. I'm excited, Mug. I'm excited. The last few weeks during the season probably feel like they dragged on a little bit. It wasn't too much to play for in last month. But we're here. We've got first week of finals and two, well, one cracking matchup and a couple of intriguing games. So really looking forward to this weekend. And, mate, big ups to you. The uh, listeners from last week's podcast, if they were listening carefully enough, would have uh, realised that Titans uh, to make the final eight was a, uh, a good thing and uh, they would have jumped on it. And, mate, I think it was a $5.50, $6 shot, depending where you shopped, and uh, it lobbed, mate. So, well done. That was a good one for the listeners. Yeah, it made the last day of the regular season exciting following that. So, we've got, got our eight. It's um, not often you'll get a team full and eight with a 10 and 14 record. But that's what we've got this year in the NRL. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a bit funny when you get these teams finishing seventh and eighth. Probably not going to do much, are they, uh, in the uh, in the scheme of things? But uh, good, good on the Titans. Good to see a, a Gold Coast franchise team uh, at least popping up into the final series uh, for for a change. It doesn't happen very often. But uh, logical over in the AFL, um, we saw a fairly uh, mundane game on the Friday night with the Cats flexing and doing enough to get over the Giants. And Giants, I think, probably missed Hogan pretty badly. They were they were struggling up forward uh, or struggling for any forward presence up forward the Giants. But, but what did you make of the game? Yeah, spot on. They missed Hogan massively, especially with no Finn Layson or Toby Green as well. That just cumulated effect really affected them. Uh, they didn't have anything up forward. I thought they were almost of the equal in the midfield. And so that uh, that laid out proved very crucial. Geelong weren't overly impressive, but um, Tomahawk up forward was really good. And he was you could see the difference between the two forward lines. And so they, they got the job done. And, uh, and of course, the, uh, the game on Saturday night, which was... Um Oh, it was a great watch. I was I was actually on the floor, crouching down. I'd actually got off my chair and I was crouching down on the floor watching that game. Um, that that last couple of minutes was very, very exciting. Um, 
back and forth, you know, the goals going back uh, and, of course, the decisions. But um, I guess from a from a punting point of view, um, did you see anything from either of those two teams, uh, well, I guess now the Doggies, that would make you think that uh, the Doggies can go further in September? Yeah, well, firstly, I think in that match, that, that one-on-one Charlie Cameron, Taylor Jaray late in the game, I would have thought he was a very short price to score at least a behind from that position. Taylor did quite a good job and and credit to Bevo, that move, they needed to do something with Charlie in that game because he was he was getting touched up by, um, oh, I'm sorry, um, Easton was getting touched up early in the game by Charlie and Taylor driving, moved on to him, probably was probably the, a big, big influence on the game and that last play was also very important. Uh, Punting-wise, um, what did I see anything? You, you know, the dog's midfield was was good, um, but we'll, there's, there's some injury concerns, which, you know, we'll touch on when we go on the game, talk about the game later on. And uh, and the umpiring, logical, it's been a pretty um, big topic uh, from or the fallout from that game. Um, what did you make of it? Did you think it was influential for for either team? I think there was, there was some big decisions, but I th- couldn't see it really favouring I didn't see it favouring one team more than the other massively. I thought there was probably some poor decisions, but in all, it probably balanced out a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, with that in mind, we might uh, crack in and officially discuss some of these bad beats. So, Pope, run us through exactly what happened in the NRL because there was some uh, horrendous stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll preface this by saying go and watch the vision for anyone who hasn't as yet to get the full context, but basically last last play of the game and the balls ended up in the Manly in goal for context. They lead by 22. The buzzer has already sounded about four seconds prior to Ruben Garrick picking up the football in his own in goal. Cemented the top four spot. Nothing to play well, for. They lead by 22. What's the handicap, Pope? Pre- 20, 23 and a half, 24 and a half. Yep. yep. So lead, lead by 22. And Garrick's picked up the ball in his own in goal, walking the tightrope on the dead ball and be able to get out. But it, the most pointless reason why you'd want to get out of the in goal at that point in time, all things considered. But he's nonetheless done it, got out of his own goal, walking that tightrope, run about 50 metres, found Cherry Evans, who's kicked for turbo to score his hat trick. But um, I won't do it justice with words. You need to. Need to watch the footage, but all things considered, to to run 125 metres in the last play to cover that line was was quite extraordinary at the time. And I think all of us watching couldn't quite believe what we were saying. It's it's certainly the toughest beat of the year in rugby league, and probably for quite some time. When you consider how often a player would run from um, 110 metres from their own goal to score a try, it's, it was quite extraordinary. Well, I, I asked you before, Pope, before we came on, how often would that happen a year where you get a return try from the um, end goal area? I'd say three times per year, Mum. <laughs> and, then, and then it's happened after the siren uh, in a moment that means nothing to either team. The other, the other aspect of that, so part of the attraction of the plus was that Turbo might be subbed off at some point late in the game and just rest him up for finals week one. And then he's gone and put on a 10-minute masterclass in the last 10 minutes, scoring two and setting up another. So to be in that position in the first place, it required some turbo brilliance to, to be that close. So very hard done by if you're on the plus. And just the the further madness of that, how old's Garrick? Mid-20s. 
Oh, okay. I thought he was a little bit older than that. I was going to say, like, last play of the game, returning a try, full pelt back down, you know, like, hammy or, like, just get off the park, yeah. boys. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, just imagine that. If one of them, you know, DCE, he's getting on a little bit, isn't he? What's he? Yeah, he's he's early 30s, and he's the one he linked up with to, to go around another 40. Like it, or, you know, someone um, comes across and crunches you, and then you're out. Oh, anyway. Uh, yeah. That was an absolute, uh, absolute shocker, that one. Uh, logical, what about in the AFL? Well, I think I'll leave this mainly to you. I, I don't know. That was a great game, the Dogs, Brisbane. You could probably feel uh, a little bit um, dejected either way, which, whichever team you're on, whoever lost. Uh, but not a huge, huge bad beat in that match. But I think you've got one there in the disposals. Uh Oh, that was the uh, the the cats. Oh, I don't know if that was a bad beat. Cats. Uh, we were on the uh, over for uh, cats three hundred and sixty-four and a half, and uh, the cats had one hundred and four in the first quarter, and then in the last quarter they didn't touch the ball for about the first five minutes, and we ended up missing by about seven or eight, I think. Um, so that was uh, that that was that one. But the one I thought was uh, the punters were a little bit stiff was the anytime goal scorer Marcus Bontempelli. He kicked three behinds as it was. And, of course, one of those behinds was the overturned goal. Now, I'm heavily invested in, in the um, in the dogs not winning that game. But I couldn't for the life of me see how they gave that to be a behind. Uh, they said it deviated off his hand. Um, I just could not see it. I, You know, like everyone, I watched the replay about four or five times and I'm sitting there on the edge of my couch, not drinking, I might add. And uh, I just could not see the deviation. And uh, I was just thinking, geez, that's stiff. I, I, you know, if I was a doggy supporter, I'd be pretty, you know, I wouldn't be happy with that. Yeah, no, I couldn't see it deviate clearly uh, either. So it was very interesting to see that they, they pulled the trigger and overturned that one. All righty. Well, it's, uh, we better get in and start talking some AFL. So logical, kick us off with some futures. What have you got for us? Yeah, I think the premiership market will start with I've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been quite keen on Port. I thought they'd been over the over the price. They shortened a lot over the weekend, even though I don't, I th- probably on the, on the back of dogs winning and having injuries, but I felt like they were, they were still probably going to shorten anyhow because the market would have realised the price was wrong. At the moment, I look at that, that premiership market and I'm looking at Betfair here and Melbourne at 262. Which is effectively saying that they will be a dollar seventy to win the grand final should they get through on average, and Port's three ten, and I think that's saying they're about two oh eight to to win the flag should they get through. Uh, I'm not seeing huge amounts of value, but I just thought it was interesting to see that the market thinks that Melbourne will be, will be clear favourites come grand final day, and they'll be even shorter than that dollar seventy should they be against um, should they against uh, the doggies um, in in that matchup. Um, Probably a little bit of value on Geelong and dogs in the flag market at the moment, but but just really more wanted to talk through how how that market's shaping and what's it's what's it suggesting for the grand final. Um, in the other futures, uh, most goals uh, in the finals, I see they have Tom Hawkins um, at a dollar, like around about the dollar ninety five mark for most goals in the in the um, finals. Um, he's got seven goals uh, and he's. The next ball, there's Charlie Cameron's got eight, and you've got Bailey Fritch and Norton and, and Fantasia on four, and Cody Waiting on five, who won't play this week. So it looks like he's 
he sort of, I feel like he probably only has to kick one or two and he can't really get be beaten. And that's with, he probably, if you look at sports bet, for, to kick two or more this week, he's $1.62 or so. So, you, you know, like he gets that two, I think he almost gets, gets, the, um, gets the most goals in the finals. But there's a chance he also gets another game should they win this week. So I think that $1.95 is a, a smidge of value. I don't like normally t- t- um, tipping up futures at that price, but but that looks like a little bit of value. Um, and then the Gary Ayres, um, uh, a good friend of mine, um, uh, Dave was tipping me up this this one in the, during the week, and, and it has shortened a bit, but I still think Jack McRae at the $7, um, he's on 16 votes in the Gary Ayres. So he's, he's six clear, and if the Dogs win this week, you would... Um, with Bont uh, unlikely to play, you'd probably think that he's in for votes. Uh, he'd be in for a big percentage of their votes this week and next week. And, and he could win that with no more votes, full stop. Um, but he also, he could, uh, uh, he could win that with just some votes, a few votes this week in a losing match even. So I think there's a bit of value there on, on uh, Jack McRae. And price there, Logical, what did, what did you see there for, for Jack uh, it's around the seven dollar mark. Um, and okay. it might be a bit bigger at some other places, three six five even. Yeah, yeah. And so I had a little bit of look at the um, disposal markets um, as well, logical. And it's a bit of a similar story for Jack McRae there, but he is the short price and uh, and the rightful price down at a dollar thirty six to take out the, those disposals. But I mean, he's he's odds on favourite, probably even only with three games uh, to to win that award. So. Um, but then you've got the upside of, of course, winning, through, you know, playing another game. And, and even when I factor in um, all of the percentage chances um, to go through to the, to the next week, he still comes out on top fairly clearly. But uh, I know the punters will probably want a little bit more value than that. I think the value rests in the Geelong players. Um, so those guys that could potentially go in and play a fourth week, they're still going to struggle to get Jack, even if Jack only plays three, um, but the ones that can get him, I think a Duncan, uh, Guthrie, and uh, the bigger outsider there is probably Menangola. Um, the only other two uh, that are going to play three ga- uh, three games, final series, uh, that have a shot of getting him is Oliver and Wines. Um, I think the rest of the Bulldogs players, unless you're banking on injuries, um, are probably a waste of time because obviously if the Bulldogs make it through, McRae's going to play. Um, and as we know with McRae, win, lose or draw, I think there's only been one game this year where he hasn't got 30 disposals. So, um, and he's already way out in front. So I think McRae is definitely the rightful rightful favourite and that price may be even too big at $1.36. Um, but, uh, but a couple of those other ones there to, uh, to have a look at. All right, Logical, are you ready to do some games? Let's do it. All right, my man. Well, Friday night, we've got Melbourne taking on the Cats and this one, of course, in Perth. Uh, we've got Melbourne dollar forty-seven, Cats two dollars seventy, and we've got the D's here eleven and a half points. Uh, what are you seeing? So let's not forget last time they played, which was what three weeks ago. The D's won with the last kick of the game in a very seesawing affair, and Geelong started about one and a half point favourites in this match, which ends up that was probably about the right price. You know, you can't say it was really very yep. wrong at all. And since then, um, the Cats have lost Parfit. So reasonably similar team, I think. And uh, they've gone and lost to Port and then beat GWS. 
they had a slight home ground advantage in that game, but not massively because there was no crowds. They go across to Perth where Melbourne got smashed the last prelim they played there. That probably is with a week off, maybe a slight advantage to Melbourne, but that market's moved two goals off the back of, you know, that that movement. So I guess if, it, if you move it for the change of ground, I think that's maybe about four. And then so it's moved eight points on that that two weeks of form on the Parfit injury, which for me, it feels too much. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be on Melbourne here because, you know, I thought, you know, when I first saw the way Geelong played last week, but Geelong do have a lot of experience and they did make the grand final last week. They have Hawkins, you know, they have some deficiencies, but Melbourne still haven't really proven themselves in big finals yet. So I, I couldn't be on Melbourne at that price. It's very short. And uh, from, I'd just be a, a, a slight lean to Geelong. And if that moves out any further, I'll probably be on the Cats. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I could only be on the Cats uh, at the line. Um but uh, not overly excited uh, to have a bet in this one. But uh, if I was going, my, my lean is, is to the Cats for all those reasons that, uh, that you just mentioned. It does feel that that's gone too much in, uh, in what is going to be neutral territory. Um, although there, I, I think our producer, Pete, was at the footy uh, on uh, Friday night for the Cats GWS game. It did very much seem that, I don't know if it was a pro GWS crowd or an anti-Cats crowd. So it will be interesting to... Uh, to see if that um, if that uh, flows over again to this week, where it's anti cats, or do the Western Australian people not like Melbourne as equally as much as the cats? I'm, I'm not too sure. <laughs> so we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see, um, mate. Next game uh, Saturday night, uh, Port are hosting the Dogs, and we know this one is over in Port Adelaide, which has a massive uh, influence on this game. Port are a dollar forty four here. Dogs uh, $2.80, and that is 13 and a half line or 12 and a half, depending where you're shopping. Are you going to be shopping, Logical? Once again, unbelievably, this they played round 23. One side was up by a big margin, and the other team came over the top of them, which Port did to the Dogs in round 23. So the coincidence of that happening is, is really, really interesting. That game... Dogs started favourites by about six and a half points. So if you took home ground advantage away there, uh, you'd probably be moving that back to dogs' slight favourites and then you move it across the port and, you know, six and a half points or so. So it's it's moved about, you know, seven and a half on ratings, I think, since since that game. And with the chance that there's Waitman not playing, which I think he's been really instrumental and then... The chance that Bont doesn't play, I probably wouldn't be betting on this game until I know what Bont's doing. The chance that Bont doesn't play, that potentially hasn't really moved enough. And I don't really want to be on the dogs if Bont's, if Bont's not playing. Did look short first look, but now, you know, with those two out, it's going to be a struggle for, for the dogs against a, uh, you know, a t- um, the port with a big home ground advantage uh, and think- crowd. Yeah, you think the bookies are having an each way there. You think that market sort of sat in the middle. If Bont does play or doesn't play, it's going to go a couple of points one way, and if it, if he, if he does play, it's a couple of points the other way. Yeah, I, I probably think it's a little bit like the Toby Green one the other week, where if Bont's named out, they're going to move it that out. Um, yeah, it probably goes off fifteen or sixteen. If it doesn't play, I'm not sure it moves back the other way. Yeah, maybe a touch, but I don't think it does massively. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, logic. I was. I. I didn't. I thought that was probably about right. Probably somewhere where it where it probably should be that line. Um, I've got. Uh, I think as I've alluded to on the program a few times this year, <laughs> I've got a big investment against the dogs. Uh, so, um, I guess for want of a better term, I'm on Port Adelaide, and I'm not shifting um, my what, position. I was going to say you'd be greening up this one, Mug. No, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm willing to take the dogs on here. So, uh, I, I just think. Um, look, I. I I messaged to uh, a group text uh, that I'm in halfway through the Brisbane Dogs game. I just felt neither team here is, is winning this premiership. I just thought their midfields are both way too unaccountable. Um, I'm not sure their forward lines are good enough um, to win it on the on the big stage. You know, under you know, if it's going to be Lee, uh, Lever and May, like I just don't see their forward lines being able to kick a um, a big score. And um, yeah, I, I, I just don't see. Well, I didn't see the dogs or Brisbane winning it, and I, I don't see the dogs winning it. So happy to uh, happy to take them on. Okay, and but you've swung around from your thoughts on Port a few weeks ago, and you think that they they could get the job done now if they win uh, the premiership. Yeah. Um, oh, if they make it, of course uh, they they can they can do it. Um, I still I still think Melbourne is is the is the right favourite, but yeah, I think. Well, obviously, if Port come up again, if Geelong managed to win through and then Port get Geelong, um, you know, the Cats can really struggle with that frantic ball movement. But I think to your point, you know, that's that's how Geelong can potentially get Melbourne this week. If Melbourne want to play that sort of go slow, that suits the Cats, I think. So I think the Cats can potentially get Melbourne. So I don't know, mate. We'll uh, wait and see. That's the great thing about it. We're going to find out this weekend. So uh, it's going to be great to watch. But um I think it's about time we uh, we swap over and we go and talk some NRL with the Pope. NRL week one of the finals, Pope, and we go straight away to Friday night. The Storm are playing Manly at seven fifty-five, and now I know Mug's not happy with this. They they go on head to head with Melbourne in the AFL. They're not worried about each other's fixtures, uh, and the Storm uh, sit here at a dollar thirty-seven and eight and a half. Point favourites. Uh, firstly, what's your thoughts on the fixturing and also the game, Pope? Yeah, well, I think it's well worth the mug watching the KO replay of this game if he chooses to watch the, the AFL. This promises to be a cracker. So a late night for Mug, and he can compensate the rugby league in his use of it from those eight ten PM Perth games. So he's used to late nights this year, but he can. Um, this will be a cracker. It's eight and a half. Feels probably about the right number, Cam. These two teams played not that long ago at the end of the regular season and went off about 10 and a half. So there's been a slight move towards Manly and that's probably based on Melbourne's form a little bit. And it's a well-worn narrative now in the last few weeks that Melbourne's probably coming off a soft period and, and there's a lot of love out there for Manly this week. I go against that. I probably think Melbourne... Um, have been timing their run to some degree. They, they know what they're doing this time of year and they've named a really good team this weekend. They're full strength with the exception of the Foxes injured. So I side pretty heavily with Melbourne this weekend. We'll be on alternative margins here. I think they can win and win comfortably. If they could tell Turbo, this could be this could be a demolition. Okay, so the Fox is not playing. How much is he worth to the line? Maybe a point. Probably not much because yeah. he doesn't play. A, it doesn't play at a position that's really important for the outcome of the match. Is that right? Correct. He's the position he plays. He's 
finishing the work that's done inside of him. And he probably scores tries that others don't, but it's not an overly impactful position, Winger, so it doesn't really move the needle that much. And Munster's infected knee, is that it's good? He's been named, he will play? He's been named, so take it on face value that he, I'm potentially not going in 100%, but I, while that is important, I, I think they've got enough good players around them showing that all year, operating off a team that's less than full full capacity in terms of who they got. So I, I think they can compensate. They're good enough to change the way they play to not go through Munster as much. So I, I don't put as much credence on that as what some other teams would be if their playmakers going in and out. And just to remind the listeners, last time they played this match, this line was 10.5. What was the result of that match? Melbourne won by 10, and it was mainly highly impressive. So that probably flattered Melbourne a little bit. But um, Melbourne mainly probably played as best as they could in that game. And Melbourne Melbourne was sort of a bit underwhelming. They still won by 10. So with that context in mind, I think if you get the best version of Melbourne, I do think they can win and win comfortably in this one. Well, just the one to throw a cat amongst the pigeons. We know the modeler. We know his model loves Tommy Turbo, and it does pot Melbourne a lot. It's actually making Manly slight favourites here again. So not a, not lining up with the Pope, but I would just say tread with caution there because the Pope has been spot on with the storm all year. So just, uh, just another angle there, but, uh, yeah, the Pope has nailed storm all year. Okay, game two. We go to Saturday afternoon. The Roosters are taking on the Titans, and the Roosters are another short price favourite, a dollar twenty-six and an eleven and a half point favourites. Again, the the mod that likes the outsider here, Pope. Uh, how are you seeing it? I have to disagree with the mod again on this one. Logical one. I'll start with the outsider. Titans have made the eight with a ten and fourteen record, which is obviously exceedingly underwhelming. And the ten wins they have is. They've had a beneficial draw to get those 10 wins. They've played the bottom four teams, I think, seven times for six or seven wins, and they've beaten other teams in the bottom half of the eight. So the, the only team they've beaten in the eight is Newcastle, and they haven't got near anyone else in the eight. So that's off the whole season. Roosters have got a few players back. There's been a narrative of how many players have been missing this year, and that is true, but they've actually got a pretty good team with some guys coming back here. So... 11 and a half is a pretty big number for a final logical one, but I can only be on the minus here. Roosters were pretty impressive against Raiders last week, who Raiders and Titans are probably an equivalent team in many respects. So I can only side with the Roosters in this one to cover the 11 and a half. Okay, very good. And then Saturday night, we move into Penrith Panthers versus the Rabbitohs, and Penrith dollar $1.23 and 11 and a half point favourites here up in town, Townsville. Um, Pope, uh, you again looking at the minus? I am. I am just to follow the 2021 NRL script, logical one. But Panthers are building really nicely. I really like what they've done the last three or four weeks since Cleary's come back. That they've started to get guys back on the paddock and their form's building. And I think that will continue into this game. Latrell's such a massive loss for South Sears. So much goes through him. In attack, I just can't see how South stay in this game. Really, that they're defensively leaky for a top four team, and Panthers just beat down the door. And I think they'll score points. And on the other side, their one wood is their attack, and without the trail against the best defensive team, I probably can't see where they mount enough points to score. Sorry, score enough points to 
to be competitive in this one. So, again, on the 11.5 here, and I think we'll probably look for a few angles to get a bigger price because I can see Penrith winning this pretty comfortably in the end. And so just uh, I think clearly we, we, th- we know that Tommy's probably the biggest uh, biggest line mover or most influential player betting-wise in the comp at the moment. Would Cleary be number two or back to number two? Yeah, he would be. And that's probably accentuated since he's come back how different that they are with and without Nathan. That number's probably only got bigger compared to what it would have been prior to him getting injured. So he's in a purple patch. He's going really well. And he'd be getting far more kudos if it wasn't for Turbo at the moment. Yeah. if I know we're not allowed to bet on the Daily M, but if we were, who would be favourite for the Daily M? Tom, I think. They've both, they've both missed significant chunks with injury. The, the smoker would probably be Cody Walker just because he played the whole year. But every time Turbo plays, he, he gets me in the match and scores a hat-trick, logical one. So when you're polling three votes every game or the equivalent of, I think he'd get it in the end. Yeah, okay. And I see also in these games the totals uh, back down uh, quite a bit. Uh, I'd imagine that scoring is lower in finals uh, than it is in regular season. But also those last few rounds of the season, what, was that average continue to trend down? Yeah, again, last week, six of eight went under. So the average the last fortnight's been 42 points per game. So which the market started to caught on to that a little bit and, and we're seeing those numbers drop this week. I think for the most part, it's probably not low enough still, especially in Friday night and Sunday's game. I think that number's still too big. So you could probably... You can definitely make an argument for the unders in, in at least two or three of those games as well, even at the lower number. Yeah, that does make sense. And the final game of the round uh, is Sunday uh, in Rockhampton. Para taking on Newcastle. Para, $1.40 favourites, and the line is eight, a flat eight. Here, the uh, modeler is keen on another outsider. He's um, keen on the Knights. He makes them favourite. Uh, Pope, are you agreeing with him here? I'm agreeing there a bit at the price. Yeah, logical. And I can't make them quite favourites, but if you line these two teams up, the player for player, like they, they compare really favourably. And you could probably say Newcastle have the better team on paper based on reputation. So I think the three dollars or thereabouts is is too big. And Parramatta's form line, they did beat the Storm a couple of weeks ago, but then sort of bizarrely they rested everyone last week going into that last round where they had top four still. To play for, so they've lost a bit of momentum by doing that. They know more than I do around players who are injured, but fundamentally, they've played one good game in six weeks, so it's not a strong form line. And Newcastle haven't been great, but they did have a five-match winning streak, so I think the price is too big here, and I think there are a real chance to come away and win this match as decent outsiders. Well, the strike rate when you two line up is really high, so that's certainly a bet for the punters. Um, before you sign us off, Pope, just uh, I thought I'd quickly ask you, is there any other views around premiership or futures markets that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I struggle to find too much of an angle, unfortunately, for our listeners in um, grand final winner market, logical one. Just the, the top two are so short there, it's hard to see how to make an argument to back 250 or 275. But we do have a new range of finals-related markets up this week. And with that... The one I do like is Ruben Garrick, top try scorer, about $13 here. So mainly for those who probably were mainly prolific in tries they score, they've got three guys who 
were over 20 for the regular season. And Garrick's the biggest price here. That they haven't scored as many. He hasn't scored as many as Saab and Turbo in recent weeks. But finals play out a bit differently in terms of how you score your tries. And generally, that means wingers over index. So I think the $13 for a team that is probably in for the best part of three games in the final series is, is a pretty attractive price. So Ruben Garrick at $13 is, is a bet that I like in terms of futures offerings this week. Logical one. Yeah, I like that. And he would probably, or Manly would probably be in for the most um, games in the finals with the fact that they're expected to lose the first and they'd be quite short second week and then a chance of winning the prelim. So they'd be in for the most games and um, that really makes sense. Yeah, spot on. That's that's exactly right in terms of why that price is attractive. The other one, it's it's probably not huge amount of value, a bit faster than how short they are, but Brandon Smith in the Clive Churchill medal for Melbourne Storm hooker slash second row at about $23, $26, I think, uh, a decent bet too. So that's the other price that I like that's going around at the moment. Okay, big, big price value player uh, markets. I really like them. Well, if you haven't got anything else for us, Pope, uh, you can please sign us off. Gamble responsibly, but more importantly, Gamble to win.